Good evening, brothers and sisters in humanity. How are you this fine morning, evening, midday? Whenever it is, wherever you are, you are tuned in to the Sovereign Human Show, and it is so good to have you with us. Tonight, we have the first ever part two of this wonderful show, and already received a huge amount of positive and well, actually quite moving feedback uh, from Brother Carl's podcast uh, a couple of weeks back. And whilst Carl was staying with me in Cornwall on the last night, we had the opportunity to drop again into a space where it felt like actually the best thing to do would be to get the old recording device out and to uh, see what wanted to flow. And following on from dear sister Leela's podcast last week, um, and an interview, sorry, uh, the... The wonderful way things have unfolded is that with dear sister Leela talking so eloquently, courageously um, about her experiences of healing trauma, when Carl then mentioned that he had three magic words uh, to support people who were suffering with PTSD, suddenly my ears pricked up very strongly. And so what I hope is that last week's show and this week's show really come together to form a very powerful way of understanding and perhaps supporting yourself or someone you love to begin the journey or to deepen the journey of healing any trauma that has been playing out. So I'm really excited to be sharing part two of uh, my conversations and my uh, deep dives with Brother Carl. And for now, I want to share a song with you. Uh, Not me personally, but uh, a dear friend of mine, uh, a lady by the name of Eleanor Brown, who creates simply wonderful, heartfelt folk music, activist music, music that for me sings the land and the soul alive. And I share this song because it not only maps the process of her own personal grieving journey when a dear friend died, um, but it also talks about her walking the land. And I know that this was a very powerful uh, process for her to undergo. And walking the land is also something that when Carl was having his own challenges, uh, he actually walked uh, the Camino de Santiago, uh, that very famous pilgrim journey. And so this song feels like something very appropriate to share as part of this overall offering of these conversations with Carl and anchoring in this um, real desire to be of service and share what might be of value in terms of this process of understanding and healing and moving through trauma. So here is Pilgrim Song by Eleanor Brown.
So that was Pilgrim Song by my dear friend Eleanor Brown. And I hope you agree, it's just it's just a thing of real, real beauty. Um, so yeah, I'm really glad and really excited to have shared that. And for sure, I will be sharing more of Eleanor's work because it's music that uh, has really moved me uh, over the years. And I find myself returning to certain of her songs time and again whenever I, I feel I need to connect with a certain part of me or bring forth a certain sense. So uh, looking forward to sharing that with you. Now, let's get into this interview. And uh, this is it's a joy to share because uh, Carl and I were both very buoyed from the feedback that had come from our early conversation. And so to be able to share this next one with you, uh, we were in a space where we just felt this is this is really the thing that's calling to us. And I, I think you'll get a sense there was a lot of joy in what we were sharing as well, uh, even as we dived into some challenging topics. So I share with you the second conversation with Brother Carl McGeeley. So in this little bonus edition of our podcast, uh, yeah. the conversation we've been having this evening, for those listening, it is currently 1 a.m. on what is that now, Saturday? And it is the other PM, yeah. and we are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, like the night is in diapers. Yeah, I possibly shouldn't have drunk a black tea at 10pm. <laughs> it could have something to do with the 72% cacao as well. Yeah. We just had some fantastic Cornish, well, via Peru, Cornish chocolate. Yeah. Plug for the chocolate, local chocolate makers, George. Chocolada, I believe. Yeah. Chocolada. Go local Cornish chocolada. Or go for Ombas. Or on bars, yeah. If you yeah. are an investor out there who loves chocolates, invest in on bars, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We are uh, advocating for the spread of uh, on bars on yeah. a planetary scale. So we know that chocolate actually uh, yeah. contains wonderful compounds that really open the heart. Yeah. Um, and what I thought would be really useful is to really drop into that open-hearted space yeah. Um, over your time down in Cornwall here with us. You know, mm. I know that already the first episode of the podcast we did is, you know, touch people. And yeah. uh, that's been really, for me personally, really wonderful to see uh, because I know that this is something that I feel called to do to bring this podcast, this radio show into the world. And so... Already, whilst I am taking my baby steps and getting it going, you know, yeah. this is this is uh, episode number five, yeah. part two. Um, <sighs> you know, we're so we're so early in this, and yet yeah. for it to already be having an impact is a wonderful thing. So, you said something there that really struck a chord, and it's why I kind of wanted to get the recording device out. Um, I've been reading a wonderful book at the moment called uh, "The Body Keeps the Score." The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah, by okay. Bessel van der Kock. And it's a, a book about his experiences really starting to map yeah. trauma release and really work uh, on trauma. Um, uh, and uh, his initial experiences with trauma came from working with veterans, Vietnam veterans. Right. And, you know, serious chronic PTSD. You'll, you'll so find it there, baby. Yeah. And so when you, when you said just then... Uh, and you, know, you were discussing the, the, the little short books that you're planning to be releasing, so we'll yeah. get into that in a moment. Yeah. But you said, for PTSD sufferers, I've got three magic words. And immediately I'm like, <laughs> oh, you know, I, need to, I need to hear what those words are. So 
Um, let's let's dive straight in there, and you know we'll see we'll head head into the books and things afterwards. But three magic words for PTSD sufferers. The three reasons. magic words for PTSD sufferers. Yes, absolutely. And I suppose like the good storyteller or a comedian, sometimes you hold a punchline for a while, mm -hmm. so you can say a little bit um, prior to that and you have people's attention. Also, uh, you know, without wanting to stereotype things. <laughs> Brother, you're, you're Irish, so you, you have some license to... People Thank you, you're going to Thank give you, a few sir. words yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was told as well, you know, um, astrologically speaking, that the Cancerians, like the crab, actually walk sideways. And I think I do talk in tangents. And I just wanted to back up there a bit and mm -hmm. honour your podcast and your effort. And uh, like any gig... Most of the work is done before you actually get to the actual gig, you know, like many people who do workshops know, you know, you, you spend 90% uh, formulating the content, studying the content, um, putting together your um, venue and your, and your group of people, you know, by the time you get there, it seems like it's the easy work. Mm. You know, and to think that you're doing something, you're walking your talk, brother, it's a congruence I honour. You're walking your talk, man, you know. A couple of years ago now, um, you were talking about a creative uprising when I first met you. And, um, you know, to see that formulate and that be um, published and have a huge impact, because that's like a working document, that book. Mm. that That's like a, a breakdown of your gig that you do, this um, uh, poetic, bardic rapping. Mm. You know, you've taken, uh, for me anyway, you've taken... Um, the bardic tradition and the uh, free flowing, just letting yourself flow in uh, in 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 the rapping style, is absolutely magic. You've brought the bardic tradition into the twenty first century, and I've seen so many young people find their voice, mm. you know, by turning it into a rap via my brother George. I honour that, and you've always challenged people to make a livelihood out of what you love and what the heck else are you going to do with your incarnation are you yeah. going to buy into this idea that we need to go via an operator or a boss or a, a degree or a schooling system before we can get what we want and do what we want really we've got such a short incarnation if there's anything i hope people take from the last podcast is that <laughs> 10 second trick in the morning to say, yoo-hoo, I'm still on the planet. Mm. And I spoke and I, and I checked it out. Yeah, they guesstimate that nearly a million people uh, die daily in, in the night. Yet, how many people are affected by the grief? One person dies, 10 people weep, mm. or 100. So 10 million or 100 million people. Mm. So you wake up and you say, am I good today? And you go, yeah. And then the next person who crosses your path, you're like, they're good too. Oh yeah, baby. And then you meet another. They're still here. Oh, wow. Lady Luck knows my name. And I'm not bullshitting you. I'm, this mm. is real. And what lands as you say that is, if you meet someone on the street who was one of the 100 million yeah. who woke up yeah. with a cause to grieve, yeah. suddenly you're able to, if you have woken up with that gratitude yeah. for still being here, yeah. you're able to be with them in their grief because yes. you know what it means to be alive. You'll be able to empathise with yeah. them through experience. Yeah. Or sympathise because of the gratitude you have in the moment. Mm. I want to say, if here's my challenge, money back guarantee. Twenty one days. Mm. 
wake up for 21 days and make the first minute of your day a priority to check in that you got all your bits and they're working. If a couple of them aren't working, have extra attentiveness to what is working and celebrate that because it's telling you you're still on the planet. Mm. Meet the people around you and see that they're still here just for 21 days. What will happen is stuff will drop off your life and incarnation like like a bad smell. It'll just fall off you. You'll stop doing things you don't like because you will have a profound gratitude mm. for the now mm. and the acceptance that this incarnation is brief. Mm. Let me share a little thing to really anchor that in from my own life right now, which is, uh, you've probably heard, you've, so you've been staying with us for about a, a week now. And, <laughs> came uh, for the weekend. Yeah, came for the Ten weekend. Ten days, man. It's been perfect. Yeah, it's the, um, third, it's the third ticket I've reneged uh, <laughs> on. So, each morning, <clears throat> the kids yeah. wake up, and yeah. uh, we have this thing in our, our, our family called a blanket cuddle. Yeah. And that literally means we go and sit on the sofa with yeah. one of the nice blankets that I've got, and I, you know, there are times when yes, I should be doing more meditation practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But within that, I always have at least a minute, usually five to ten. Yeah. Where I can sit with my arms around oh, one wow. or two of my children wow. and just drop into a place of gratitude and total presence. And um, it's something that you know very often will bring a tear to my eye. Yeah. And so even with all the craziness of the day to come. Yes. I have this moment where I can't make the porridge cook any quicker. Yeah, yeah. And so I just take this little moment yeah. where the porridge yeah. is, is bubbling up yeah. of total presence and total gratitude. And it's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing because, yeah. I, you know, as you've seen, I'm, having, I'm playing Superman and I, I, it's a role I play joyously. Yeah. But even Superman every now and then needs to... Even Superman needs a cup of tea and a pee and a lie down yeah. and a cuddle himself. But the irony of it, George... You start your day in a blanket kind of cuddly way with your nearest and dearest. And yet how many of us, day in, day out, slap the alarm for the second time, drag ourselves out in the third time, and go charging headlong into the future, carrying the baggage of our past unopened behind us, or wrapped away, and what are we striving for? We're striving for two weeks in Mallorca, where we can sit on the beach with our kids and family and have a drink and have a happy time. Well, actually, you don't need to work 50 weeks a year and get to Majorca <laughs> to have cuddle time. It's available for nothing mm. on the sofa, in pyjamas, your hair a mess and your smelly breath. It's all allowed. Mm. Yeah. It's under your nose, the very thing you think you need the corporate executive route where happiness is there. Mm. It is not. Yeah, it sits under your nose. And one of my old mentors, uh, shout out to Mr. Nigel Sykes. Uh, I don't know where he's working now. He, he was at, at Warwick Business School. He was a lecturer there. And I know he was doing some bits for, I want to say, Princeton or Yale. Uh, yeah. Really wonderful guy. And he, was, um, he had a big awakening. Um, mm. And his was through the Christian tradition. Yeah. And so he would always share with myself and fans the idea that the fish are right under the boat. 
horrible where Jesus says to his disciples, chuck the net over the other side, yeah. and they've not caught a thing all day, and then they yeah. chuck it over the other side of the boat, and they haul it. And, and he would all say, the resources you need are right under the boat. Um, right under your boat, yeah. Whenever yeah, yeah. I've been birthing some kind of new project, and I've very often I've got to a point where yeah. I, I can't see the wood for the trees. I'm, I'm in fight or flight, I'm out of presence. Yeah. And there'll come a moment where suddenly just something drops and I'm like, oh my God, that, that person there who's been like calling me twice a day for the last three days, he's exactly the person I need. Or, you, you, do you know what I mean? This, yeah. That, that yeah, absolute yeah, alienation yeah. that the that resources That guy who's annoying on, me to yeah. ring him back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't had time because I'm running around looking yeah, for thinking the solution. to find this guy and he's right there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It, it, really, mm. it really is... Um, uh, uh, another source of deep gratitude to yeah. be brought back to awareness that the resources you need are right under To the be brought back to awareness and I was honouring your congruence of walking your talk and generating um, energy and one of the spokes of energy is finances to make sure the wheel can turn mm. and all the other components um, which are passion, which are lifestyle, which are expression, which are podcasts as another branch of that tree I'm honouring that you promoted people your lifelong to uh, walk the talk and try and make a living out of what they love I'm trying to support that by saying what the heck else are you going to do mm-hmm. and what the hell else do you think you can do well whatever it is you love I can promise you you're doing it well yeah. you mightn't be making money from it but you will when you have to that will be a, a leading component. But, so let's, let's dig into that. Then, because yeah. here's the thing, right? My book, Creative Book Rising, in October will be six years old. Yeah. yeah. I've, got, I've got some 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 real beautiful plans laid out for what I'm going to do there. Yeah. And yet the truth is, this is why my ears pricked up when you said the three magic words mm-hmm. for PTSD sufferers. Yeah. I'm not saying that I've suffered for PTSD, but what yeah. I realised was yeah. part of the reason why I've been on quite a kind of almost like a, an expansion and contraction journey yeah. with bringing income and impact yeah. into the world yeah. through my creative gifts, through the things I love, yeah. is actually because I began that journey um, very much from my head place. I had the systems and the processes right. nailed down. Yeah. What I hadn't attended to mm. was the challenges around the heart space and... Uh, my own wounds yeah. that would very often take out my knees from I'd, I'd make some progress and then <laughs> my wounding beliefs would you know rather yeah. than face them I'd find some way to kind of just yeah. think, avoid them I don't know what you're talking about George yeah. you're <laughs> the only person in the whole world who's yeah. ever been his worst enemy yeah so that but it really brought it, brought it so powerfully home yeah. and in, yeah. in one of the previous podcasts Brother James gave the the image of we need both our wings to fly. Yeah. We need to really connect with and celebrate our brilliance, the things we love. Yeah. And we need to attend to our wounds and to the things that might hold us back. And I heard you say there, people, many people will step into the day carrying the baggage of their past with them, totally unaware. Yeah. And heading headlong into yeah. the future. Yeah. <laughs> Just charging. <laughs> and so I really I really celebrate the fact that whilst on a linear um, perspective, Mm. I might not be as far ahead with what my book could have brought into the world and sales numbers and all of that, 
but I sit here now being able to really stand solidly honoring both of my wings yeah and know, you know knowing the, the areas where my brilliance is really serving and yeah. is growing yeah and at the same time having really had the chance to attend to some of my wounds mm. and the things that in the past had held me back yeah um, so for things like when it comes to example the big one for a lot of people is being able to charge what they know they're worth yeah well actually for me now I go into situations and it was with my you know the role that I currently have yeah I was like this is this is what I need and just straight, straight up there, they said well actually we can't quite do that we can do this I'm like okay cool that's good enough for now absolutely you know and it, just, yeah. it was so clean so simple and maybe there is one little what did you call it nugget I call yeah. it pearls yeah maybe there what is one nugget there you know if we look at uh a service you, you're either doing two things eh? you're producing something or you're giving a service whatever it is you have a minimum viable price mm -hmm. you go below that and mm -hmm. you just can't play that game mm -hmm. okay so you know what that is and then you have in either like you really see the value of the oregano oil or the the dried wheat grass or whatever you mm. produce okay you really see the value and you know there's people out there that see that value too so you see this worth at a thousand thousand bucks a unit or a talk or whatever and that's your worth and someone asks you how much you say this is worth 1000 mm. euros mm. and they say well wow we've only got 600 and they're like, absolutely you know mm. that I can absolutely give it to you for that price and I'm aware, I've now made mm. you aware of what I value at. Mm. And not all the business I do is financial. Yeah. For example, if I can promote my book or my next mm. course, mm. or if I can utilize one of your rooms, you know, but I've told you my, my worth. Yeah. And if you give this language, you have to be able to take it. Mm. So, you know, you start to hang around with people who know their worth, but they barter, compromise, mm. but they express their value and allow you to do the same. Yeah. I'm talking about that, it's because we have to position ourselves in a framework for these things to grow. If you look at above anything in your creative rising, what you've constantly done, we say, Osgwelge in Irish, Anin Kiroi Kiroi Geller, one bug attracts another, mm -hmm. uh, birds of a feather flock together. So you position yourself in these places where the framework around you is created. Mm. Right? That's an, that, that's an essential part, and you know your worth, and you know your compromise, and you know your three magic words. Well, let's get into those because I, I, uh, I, I really celebrate the fact that actually you brought me back and yeah. shared a bit about what you appreciate about me because I sit here now being able to celebrate that. Yeah. And that's a big area of growth. Nice. Certainly when I first published the book, yeah. there was, I still held a lot of self-loathing and you know, it's very difficult to really ask for one's worth if one is... If, for sure. It was very difficult for, let me, let's anchor this into the I statement, shall we? Yeah. It was very difficult for me yeah. to genuinely ask for my worth yeah. when I was so filled with self-loathing. Yeah. So here, as you, you know, wonderfully, uh, in hip-hop parlance, big me up. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm, I, I sit here and I go, yeah, yeah. I, will, I will take that, I will celebrate that, yeah. and I will now bring me beautiful Irishman back on point and <laughs> get him to share his three yeah. magic words for, 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 you know, for PTSD service, but I'm guessing also these are three magic words for life. So mm. um, I hope we've uh, given them appropriate um, build-up and anticipation. Um, let's just look at blank of time momentarily, okay? Yeah. And let's just have a little what we call the observer's view. Mm. Spoke a little bit about the other night, the ability to be able to 
visualize in our mind's eye or feel that time and place we experienced once before. Let's call it blanket time on the sofa. And I know your corner unit. Okay, cool. And, you know, we just look at a couple of things going on there in terms of the timing of that ritual. First thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Secondly, the unconditional love, the messy hair, possibly stinky nappy, Mm -hmm. possibly stinky breath. All of that is allowed in blanket time. So look at the power of that activity and even look at the association. What money will you put down that, please God, and I'll, I'll talk more about please God later on, that I pray, or whatever language you use, you know, may one day your children play blanket time mm. with their mm. children. Mm. What do you think the odds of that are? I'd say pretty high. I'd say pretty high. Yeah. And, you know, it's very possible that they might have a um, nice shaky grey corner unit. Yeah. And uh, what looked like a Peruvian wool uh, blanket. I think I'd say you bought it in India, but we're close Indian, to it's yeah. good quality, yeah. you know, good quality, kind of thing you'd love to cuddle in. Mm. Look at the association they have with that play, with that activity, mm. with that place. It makes them love blankets. It makes yeah. them love corner units. Yeah. <laughs> it makes them love messy hair. Okay, so there's the association we have with that. You know, in the dynamic equilibrium of complementary opposites, as um, Hugh once said, um, he was quoting um, another fella, but I like that dynamic equilibrium. There's a plus and minus and mm-hmm. on the titter totter, on the, on the seesaw. Yeah. Uh, the opposite side to that is let's say somebody is always reprimanded at the dinner table. That that's the time mum and dad are home. Oh, that's the time you're getting it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they wonder why they have a lump in their throat. Or they have a problem digesting. Mm. 20 years later. Mm. I mean, really, is this rocket science? Hello? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think marketing and advertising don't know if they throw enough muck at the wall, mm. some of it will stick. Mm. We've got post-traumatic stress right away throughout our timeline. Mm. <laughs> George, you did burn yourself. It was traumatic. Mm. Like Ralphie the other day, you fell off a seat. You know how high a seat is when you're two? Mm-hmm. When you're three? It's high, man. Yeah. It's like us falling off a bike. It's a long way down. Yeah. Ow. And especially when it's your first bang, the ground just comes up and hits you. <laughs> what dunk? It's traumatic. These are little traumas that are testing our resilience. Now we can bounce back and, and, and move on, okay? Mm. But some of them are shockers. Mm. And actually, you see this with kids and animals. You see this kids on fire. You see this with kids and angry people all the time. They react in a way where the stress, adrenaline, fight, flight, or freeze is activated. And you know once those hormones are running in somebody, those neurological networks are open. There's no communicating with that person. Mm. Okay? Mm. So, you know, you don't communicate with yourself almost in a bang automatically you know like the animal you just want to run and hide or run into your parents arms okay that's the reptilian brain i'm injured get me out of here we've little traumas throughout our life okay yeah some of them are whackers but the first thing i want to say about a trauma and i've had a few of them (laughs) um physiologically as a gymnast it was just unbelievable what I did somersaults on and landed back on the bar and then fell onto the floor uh, rugby I had, a, I had a neck injury and that could be one good example you know where I was uh, very quickly diagnosed on the field as a broken neck and I'm still there awake 
mm. in that moment. And some part of me was outside of myself observing this. Okay. And I did feel at one choice, at one stage, I had a choice. Did I want to go back into this handicapped body or just, did I just want to sail on? Right. I really um, have thought, had thought about that and shared that story quite a bit, exploring that with people mm. over the years. And what was I doing? I was... I'd find that I'd actually go to uh, hypnotherapy, NLP, physiotherapy, kinesiology. Should I actually get this surgery option reopened? Or, or is there any more technology now? And so on. And so I was reliving the story, George. Okay. Yeah. I only got one bang on the neck at one time. And a pop and a click. Okay? <laughs> that happened one day. Mm. I walked out of hospital that evening. All right? I was fairly upright, but anyway, and I stayed like that for a couple of months. However, I walked out of there that night. But the amount of times I have relived that experience, yeah. what happened physiologically, what, I, what happened in, in the outer body, I shared with people. I, did I get a bang in the head as well? I explored that too. And, and the actual fear I had making the choice of going for an operation or not, I've relived that trauma. You know, 20 years later, mm. I've relived that scene a couple of times a week, man. It only happened once. And things aren't traumatic when they happen. They're traumatic in hindsight. <laughs> All right? So if we can learn a mechanism of how to review our past life experience, mm. that's how I believe we... Okay, let's deal with the trauma that's already... Oh, hang on, hang on. Before we deal with that, it's highly likely you might go out here and get a fright from a bicycle or a car. So let's look today at how we can massively reduce trauma in ourselves and others. And the three magic words I give you will serve that practice yeah. as well, moving forward, as well as before we go back and look at anything. Let's make a framework. The three magic words that help us make a framework of how we can look at this from a safe place. And like we're doing now, we'll take the position of the observer mm. as though we're the bird in the nest looking down on the landscape or up on the mountain looking down on the landscape. Yeah. We can see ourselves down there. We are engaged but detached. So yeah. we're in a good space. So trauma happens after the incident and the way we review it. And very often we're wide open emotionally and we're drinking everybody else's concern and nightmare that they've seen happen to us. Yeah. And very often it looks a lot worse for the parent who sees the child falling again off the chair against the radiator mm. than actually what happened. Yeah. And hearing you say that, <laughs> I guess it's also, even if no one's seeing the incident, I'm thinking, for example, in the context of perhaps a rape. Yeah. But society has labelled this thing as some of the worst thing that can happen to a yeah, person. Yeah, so yeah. I guess that is taken More absorption on. Yeah, is yeah. taken on. Yeah. yeah. If that's the framework, it's explored in. Mm. However, if we create our own framework, mm. we can explore it in a safe place. So let's go to that place now. Before we do anything else and we look back at anything, let's, let's just go to that place, okay? So that feels really, really key, you know, because... One of the interviews we've got coming up on the podcast yeah. uh, is with a dear friend, Leela. And yeah. she describes some of her experiences of really coming through some very challenging trauma. And she says the first, absolute first essential thing to have in place 
is absolute safety. Yeah. A total safe space. Yeah. Um, psychologically yeah. and physically. So And that's done in our framework, okay? That's done in our framework. And this is what we talked about you and your creative uprising. You're expressing yourself within a community where you know your voice is welcome. Mm -hmm. You know what all our Facebook advertising and the, you know, uh, when Roots Wellbeing was getting very big and busy, we were talking to big marketing guys, you know, they want about 100 grand and they're going to return four times your investment in advertising and so on. And one of them one day fickly said, well, we'll definitely get your 4%. And he said it in a meeting and I noticed it changed the air a bit. Later on, I got to say to him, what's that 4% thing? And he told me about, <coughs> the irony is, there's 4% of people out there who just get you. You turn up with your messy hair and your smelly breath and they just get you. Mm. You don't have to sell them or promote your thing or try and win them or, or, or win their ear. They just like you. They're the kind of people who say, what do you do? And you say, I just wrote a poem, a song or a book and they want it. They want some of you. You know, like someone goes to the beach and they want a postcard and a sticker rock. Yeah. 4% Four peop of people out there. So when you're speaking your truth and you're in that congruence where your words um, match your, you walk your talk, your words match your behavior. When you're there, you're immediately attracting your 4%. Now, yeah, there's 96% of others come in, but you'll spot them very quick. <laughs> they'll be giving out at you or glaring at you or they'll be questioning, questioning you. So focus your energy on the 4%, all right? So in the context of, of, of trauma here and beginning to yeah. safely review that process, yeah. it's being mindful of those who are the 4% who are going to totally unconditionally accept you and therefore give you that space to They're going feel to safe. that space, yeah. Okay. And that's why there's a benefit, you know, that's why one of the key factors to resilience, there's waves of things that make us resilient in life, key factors in ourselves, but also in our family and outside that our community. You see, we have all, and then we have a solid environment, and then mm. we have a good culture mm. and sociology. So if something wobbles, okay, if somebody's health goes, it's okay they got a family. That's okay the family got a mm. hospital. That's okay the hospital got a, a agreement with schools and so on that the person's supported and work if mm. they're out of school or work or so on. And, and that resilience factors, they're called, ripples out. So as, you, as you say that, what, what is abundantly clear is that... Yeah. For, too many people, the, yeah. those natural concentric circles of yes, family, yeah. community, yeah. hospital, d d actually, those there's massive gaps for many people. George. Not everyone has the family, George. for a start. Certainly not everyone has a school because the teachers are way too you know, overstressed and overworked yeah. to be able to provide the kind of pastoral support that can sometimes be life-saving. Yeah. Um, so that's... George, we're, we're looking at a social structure and we're talking now in 2019. 25 years ago, mm. I started studying you know, organic horticulture. Mm. Uh, 30 years ago, I was working, um, 18 years ago, 30 years ago, street youth work and sport. Mm. 18 years ago, activity-based therapies use, using plants, organic horticulture, and trees and fruit trees. So we've been talking about this evidence that Okay, guys, thanks very much. We had a go at capitalism. Mm. <laughs> that was great, right? It's kind of over now, <laughs> right? That one's not working. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's very clear those farming methods aren't going to continue mm. to feed us those energy producing methods aren't going to continue mm. to heat us and those water purification management systems you know we need this is a new world with yeah. f- four times the population on it than when these systems were devised yeah let's get with it guys and have a conversation yeah. and to, to kind of mirror that into the individual yeah when these th- these kind of resilience factors you talk about yeah family community school hospital actually we they were in place yeah. in a world where marketing for example was still quite a young science yeah now we are inundated by up to three thousand four thousand marketing images per day which are actively trying to undermine our resilience so that we will buy stuff to make ourselves feel to more resilient ourselves yeah. more resilient so, so i i you know it's I, I, how those layers whether it's horticulture yeah. or human yeah. human soul even if you yeah. like uh, um the factors are not in places they should be. I am in my sideways, uh, moving way, kind of pulling all this together, the mm. 4%, but mm. now mm. at the moment, given the example of the resilient factors, people unconsciously know that if they get sick, they're in, mm. they're in trouble. So okay, people unconsciously know that if their parents get sick, you know, they're not living close to them. Or, yeah. You know, they unconsciously yeah. have these, oh, mm. You know, underlying things going on. You know, this almost is, like unspoken threats. There are unspoken yeah. threats that, mm. you know, um, it might have been. Of course, there was utter challenges when we lived rurally off the land. Yeah. Of course, we had yeah. dangers of other invaders. Of course, we had dangers of local wars. Of course, we had dangers of plight mm. and and environmental mm. things. But we had an awful lot of other factors, and for the majority of the human existence we have lived in groups and packs mm. and this urbanization has individualized us yes. and we're lost in it mm. Mm. we're floating singularly down what feels like the niagara falls mm. Mm. and some people can pretend they're riding away for a while yeah. but you only have to challenge most people you know a little bit of shaky shaky and it doesn't take long mm. until you're in the white water. Mm, mm. And that's just the setup we got. Mm. Because, you know, you get a wobble, you don't have family, you get another wobble, you don't have a medical backup, you get another wobble, you're self employed, you don't have insurance. All of a sudden, dude, you are one nostril above the ground. Mm. And I'm, you know, I've been working from Europe to America for the last couple of years. What? LA is reporting 60,000 homeless people has doubled mm. this year mm. the skid row is just there are uh, one million dollar apartments with tents mm. and feces outside of them because and these people are <laughs> wow that's if ever there look was, at it youtube skid row if, if ever there was oh, a, a, a kind of a, uh, what's the word i'm looking for like yeah a, yeah, yeah. A, a snapshot yeah. Of, of how broken this system is yeah yeah. Million dollar apartments with tents Mid- and feces outside. Just YouTube skid row. Wow. People are now finding it trendy to live amongst there. It's a bit wow. like a Venice beach on steroids. And that's even more evidence of how crazy this is. It's just like, well, I live in skid row, yeah. Oh, it's, like, it's like, I, I live in the zoo. Wow. I live in the human zoo. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's, let's anchor it back into. We're talking about people's feeling lack of resilience and we're talking yeah. about post traumatic stress yeah. and we're talking about the fine line and the evidence out there that we're all very, so very vulnerable. We therefore, it is. Absolutely imperative, therefore, given how we've just broken down quite spontaneously and possibly tangentially, but not at all. The the challenges to 
maintaining resilience. Yeah. And therefore, resilience comes from ultimately at the core having a safe space. So <laughs> how much massively important it is yeah. to have those 4% to really yeah. know what your 4% is yeah. um, to create that safe space. Yes, so, that's right. So know we, your 4% and the best thing you can do, the best service you can do is turn up as much of you as is possible mm. and you present yourself and some of them will get you and some of them won't get you and that's not particularly up for you. Imagine you're not responsible for that. Okay? And, you know, I, I, I better bring you back to these three words. Well, it, so it, you began with, with these three words of saying, you know, the absolute core foundation starting point is safety. Is it safe? Yes. Yeah. And you therefore, that has to be populated, I'm guessing, by your 4%. You uh-huh. see, this is it. Before we even work on the self, we try as best as we can to, to know we're looking for a tribe. Yeah. Okay, maybe we don't particularly have one at the moment. Mm. But like we're in a new world, so we need a new world mindset for a new world. Yeah. And the benefit of our little groups, our podcasts, our community, is that we are refreshingly finding out that there is 4% out there. There mm. might be 1% of them in mm. LA, half a percent in Scotland, another half in Wales, yeah. one in Ireland, a bit in Cornwall, you know, but so we have it. So maybe we don't have it in location, but we have it in community and in mindset yeah. and we're using modern technology to use that. If you can't bring your tribe around you immediately, well, then you have to, as I said the other night, there's only one place you can really start and that is with the self. And the first and most resilient factor we can ever have is to see ourselves as an essential um, component of the river of life. Mm-hmm. We are a raindrop. Yeah. Absolutely on our way back to the river. And when we are in the river, we don't look that significant. However, the river is made up of all other raindrops, so we are needed and we are important. Yeah. And if we just want to, in context of looking at post-traumatic stress, and understanding that this life experience has a lot of stressors in it. And if you really think that the earthquake and the images you've seen in, in, on, on the news didn't affect you, they did affect you on some level. They would affect anybody. Mm. And we're looking at these things all day long. How do we mind our boundaries and protect ourselves from these things? There's a certain amount our community and tribe can protect us from, but some things that we need that self-protection. And the best way to do that is actually with a mindset, a philosophy, or a practice that has been carried throughout history by our ancestors, our great ancestors, our ancestors before us, mm-hmm. have had an awareness that they're a raindrop, but there is a great river they mm-hmm. come from and they are going back to. That existential, there is more than me. In the good old days, George, we would wake in the morning and we would thank one of the gods for being here. And we would do this practically by um, burning something like an incense or paying homage yeah. um, or you know, facing east or <coughs> touching the earth or bathing. We had these rituals yeah. that reminded us, wow, I get to be, you swim in the ocean for another day. Mm. Then we met person. Then, then the first person we met, we said, you know, Gwit in Irish, which is God be with you. Yeah. They say namaste in other mm. cultures. Mm. Okay, we greet the other. And in that way, 
not only are we attracting our 4%, we're finding a commonality with another person. Yeah. We're meeting each other in peace. No matter, you're the great king and I'm your servant, but we meet each other on a level playing pitch with a, hello there, God be with you. Mm. The God in me meets the God in you. Some blessing that again widens our awareness that there's more than me on this yeah. planet. Honours the elements of divinity. Honours the day. Honour the day. Mm. Honour the person you meet. Mm. Honour the field you work. Honour the animal that serves you. Mm. Honour the meal created. Honour the chef. Honour the sun. Honour, honour, honour. What is going on with these rituals? They were so popular that religion turned up. Mm. <laughs> and uh, Christianity anyway, and stuck a cross on all of them. Yeah. <laughs> right? We look at the pagan tradition and the pagan calendar, and we look at the Christian calendar, and we very simply see, you don't believe me, Google it. You know, you'll see that the, the Christian uh, calendar basically has sat on mm. the rituals and routines mm. of people since times immemorial. Yeah. And these rituals and these ceremonies kept us in a framework, George, mm -hmm. where we knew, without even saying them, the three magic words. And you've said them tonight, but without one thing that you get from the Band of Brothers... I tell people, no matter what happened or what is to come, they are a raindrop part of the great river, an essential part of that river. And when they know that, their journey has a start, middle and an end. They know that in the context of the whole thing, right here and right now, they can say to themselves the three magic words, I am safe I am safe I am safe when we say this and even better when we verbalize this George mm. the frontal cortex the new brain communicates to the reptilian brain you're all right mate calm down don't be giving me any of those adrenaline hormones mm. I am safe I can therefore be here consciously mm. if I go to mm. adrenaline I end up compulsive yeah. I am safe is a mantra that if you just start to run that for a while just watch what happens mm. your breath intake <laughs> your appreciation for the moment your realisation that all is well and timing is somehow perfect. Mm. I am safe are three magic words that let me sit here in an I am safe space and able to look back at what I have learned. Accept what has happened. Tell your story. Now stop it. Now let's just accept what happened in that horrific fall mm. you fell from the chair banged yourself on the radio and on the radiator ow we dust down we get ourselves together and we ask what did i learn from that because the human mind in the same way we kept people waiting for the what are the three magic words and we told them they are i am safe the mind is always looking for meaning. Mm. 
mm. meaning and learning. So it can learn from this experience and negotiate it safely next time. So I've got to dig in here. Yeah. Because it's so important that, you know, particularly this mantra that people can run, I am safe. I am safe. Oh, what I heard though is that, you know, the, this, this question of from that place then, being able to observe the incident and tell the story and yeah. ask, what did I learn from this? Now, for those who may have experienced some kind of violation-based trauma, yeah. um, be it something, some kind of form of sexual abuse, some form of war, yeah. torture, something like that, yeah. um, the, the question of what did I learn here is, is, is that the question, you know, and you heard, I said, you said something about the, the mind kind of being able yeah. to find a way with it. Yeah. Is it the mind or is there something about bringing it back to the heart space? I, yeah. you know, so we, of course, whatever the trauma may be, yeah. I am safe is a vital foundation yeah. to start, like, beginning the process of shifting and healing and yeah. coming back to true self. So from from this violet, you know, if I fell off a chair or fell off my bike, what did I learn? Cool, let me, let me, yeah get my bike sorted or let me be more mindful while I'm sitting on a chair. From a violation perspective, how, do, how does one navigate that? I have said that to people mm. and I have got near violent responses, yeah. reactions. Mm. No, they're mm. not responses, they're reactions. Mm. What are you trying to say to me? What do you mean I? Why are you bringing me I into this? Mm. The tree fell on a car. I lost my whole family. Mm. The, I was violated. Mm. What, what is there for me to learn from this? Mm. How dare you bring I into it? Mm. And I have to know I'm speaking to a victim. Mm. Somebody is in the victim mindset. Mm. And yeah, man, sometimes we're a victim of Tuesday. Why? It rains on our parade. Mm. Sometimes, yeah, the tsunami comes in. Dude, it took us all out. Mm. Okay. I never liked that t-shirt, shit happens. Never liked it because I believe there's a miraculous thing to know from every experience mm. in life. I believe everything happens for a reason. And I asked them one question. Have they learned even this, that they can sit here after days, weeks, or maybe often years after this has happened, that that horrific thing that I absolutely acknowledge happened to you in your life mm -hmm. totally acknowledge that but can I say what I've learned from this I've learned that you can heroically make it to here and now to tell the tale I honor your strength wow that happened to you mm -hmm. and you're still here man there's people who jump jumped off the bridge or did the bungee jump without the string mm -hmm. you you're still here. And if we can only learn that, mm. is there a learning in that? And a celebration, I'd say. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. Well, wow. That's brilliant that that comes so quick. Yeah. Because the minute you can smile at it, <laughs> and it hasn't killed you, mm. and I'm not saying I don't like that one, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. No. No, it could traumatise the heck fuck out of you. Up for a good long time. Can, okay, we can use language. Yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah. I am safe brings you to a place of unfuckwitability. Yeah. What are you going to do? Take my body off me? Mm. Dude, I'm part of the ocean. Mm. Mm. I'm part of the ocean. 
Yeah, I, I really like the body. I'm kind of attached to it. You know, I really prefer not to lose it. You even try and try and discombobulate a daddy long legs. He'll fight for his life. Mm. I'll fight for my life, dude. I'm all the peace and love you want, but I guarantee I'll fight mm. for my life. Mm. But if you take my life, I'm, I'm going back to the ocean. Yeah. Just look at any leaf fall off any tree. Yeah. Look at any mouldy apple. Yeah. It goes back to where it came from. Yeah. Okay? And the rest of us, the consciousness, that's another chat. But um, I don't. I go back to it can't be created. It can't be just dis- be destroyed. It's mm. part of the greater mm. energy of stardust that is uh, circumnavigating the universe. We so, are here. We are safe. We are loved. Yeah, yeah. That's your core. That is your core, and you nourish those roots. They're the roots that make the fruits. Mm. Okay. Mm. If, if anything happens, if we walk up, you know, as an arborist here yeah. up in Durham for a couple of years, the first thing we did in, in uh, tree engineering assessments was mm. look at the crown of the tree. Mm. If there was disturbance to the crown of the tree, we knew first place we'd look more than likely was the roots. Mm. And what a wonderful way to finish up and anchor in the idea of sovereignty. Yeah. You know, that actually... Nourish your roots, nourish your the ground, which is how people see and experience your sovereignty. Yeah, will be radiant, will be radiant. And yeah, yeah, so thank you for sharing your magic words, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll see you soon. <laughs> Thanks a lot. So, I hope you really enjoyed that interview with Carl. And those three words I am safe is something that for me, as I stand here recording this yeah i really connect with i really connect with um today has been beautiful and very challenging and as i step into at times like now being the only parent uh it's a it's a thing i need to remind myself that i am safe and from that place of safety to actually then connect with uh the deeper resources of my own power my own love and my own presence. So I'm very grateful to Brother Carl for reconnecting me with that sense I am safe. So, beloved, thank you for sharing this journey, this episode of The Sovereign Human Show, and I cannot wait to see you, hear you, be with you again. Go well, stay sovereign, stay blessed.